Hello, and welcome to Compass Church. If you have any questions about this message or are interested in learning more, please contact us. We'd love the opportunity to connect. Now, enjoy today's message. We do serve a great Savior, and He loves us, He cares about us, He directs us, He guides us, and that's what we trust in. And as we are uh, in the midst of uh, a series called Engaged, we're looking at the scriptures to think about how we uh, hold on to the gospel, believe the gospel, live the gospel, and communicate the gospel. And that is the good news. The good news of salvation, at the heart of the good news of salvation, is that God loves us and that we're a broken people. And we have to come to a place of recognition of our need for new life. And there is no, uh, there is no remedy for our situation besides Jesus. And we, over, uh, we, we come over and over and over again with our need, our brokenness, and our surrender to Jesus for his life to be poured into us. And that is the, the message of life. That is the words of life. And as we think about our church, we think about us coming together and having a vision that we would be a people that surrender to God, people that are connected with one another, because God loves community. God loves us being surrendered to him. And then God loves us proclaiming this truth, showing forth this truth in who we are, what we do, and what we say. And that's super important. And that's what we're, t- we're shooting for. So how do we engage and love people well? And this morning, we're looking at having direct conversation. People in our world are looking for answers. They're looking for what is real. They're looking for where they are loved. They are looking for where life can be found. And and it's not in the, the sinful offerings of the world around us, which inevitably lead to uh, internal focus, selfishness, building our own little worlds and our own little kingdoms. But there are people all around us who are trying to find the answers to life. I think of the story of Alex, a 23-year-old teacher in a school but also a Sunday school teacher involved in the church who was kind of, uh, had a bad family situation, a background. Uh, her parents were both into to drugs and, and she ended up getting taken away from her parents and placed with her grandparents. She was kind of uh, a recluse, kind of to herself, isolated, totally involved in uh, social media and that was her uh, connection and her uh, interest and uh, one uh, day she saw an ISIS post and all the people responding negatively to ISIS and she made some little comment about how she felt that was unfair well one of the ISIS operatives saw that comment and then began to interact with her began to tell her that God is the one who's in control and God's building a community and she was getting interested and she became 
interested to the degree that she was making contact and they were FaceTiming and he was sending her presents and he was enticing her into his world. The truth is, is that people all around us are asking the question, is there real meaning? Is there real purpose in life? And where do I go for that kind of love and that kind of life? And as we look at the passage, I'd like us to turn in the Gospel of John. We're going to look at John chapter 3. We encounter a Pharisee, Nicodemus. And I kind of talked about Alex on one end and Nicodemus on the other because they kind of encompass the gamut of human experience. Nicodemus, being a religious leader, studied in the Bible uh, to be a teacher of Israel called, uh, called forth swaths of the Old Testament to be memorized. Gigantic portions of the, the Talmud and the Mishnah to be memorized. To be a student of the Bible. So you have the religious leader, Nicodemus, and then you have Alex, who's lost and looking for answers showing us that we as a people need to understand what God is doing in our world and how salvation comes to us. And one of the first things that we want to recognize is that Jesus models conversation. Jesus models interaction and engagement with people. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and they begin a dialogue. And it's an important dialogue. And what we learn from this is that we need to be available. We need to be looking for people around us in our world, in our workplace, in our families, people who are looking for answers. And we need to dialogue. We don't need to preach at them, but we can talk to them. We can ask questions. We can learn a lot. I think we as believers stand at the best place to hear all of the worldviews around us that go around in the world. We're not going to be trapped and caught in and tricked. I, I, I'm convinced we know the truth if we've trusted in Jesus and we can discuss what life is about in reflection with Jesus. And so Jesus models for us this kind of conversation. And in this conversation, Jesus also models for us the number of images and pictures that he uses to try to communicate something profound, something tremendous, something life-changing, and that is the work of God in the hearts of people. Now, that's not an easy topic. It's not something easily communicated. And in this discussion with Nicodemus, we realize how hard it is to communicate that and how difficult it is for Nicodemus to understand. But Jesus shows us the importance of this new life, this transformation that comes to us by his dialogue with Nicodemus. And then last, we see the importance of the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom which Jesus preached and taught and shared and the kingdom he talks about over and over. And how important it is that we love that truth, we experience that truth, and that we share that truth with others. 
So first, the conversation is essential. Let's read verses 1 through, uh, I'm going to read 1 through 15. This is the dialogue with Jesus and Nicodemus. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound. But you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus said, asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you on earthly things. You do not believe, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him seems like a, a complicated conversation. Some things we must notice first that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and he references him as a rabbi. Uh, Nicodemus was of the ruling council, the Jewish ruling council, and therefore probably had credentials like had a doctor's degree in theology or something. And he recognized Jesus as kind of this country bumpkin who comes from Galilee. He has no no doctor's degrees, no degrees on the wall. And yet he comes to recognize him, to honor him by calling him rabbi. And he comes at night. Uh, sometimes people wonder why he came at night. Uh, probably he didn't want to be seen coming to Jesus. It could be. It could be that he really wanted to have a lengthier conversation. And I think probably he did want to have a lengthier conversation. It wasn't just going to be a uh, along the road, on the way to some place, a couple fiery questions, but he wanted to have a lengthy conversation. And when we read this, one of the things that makes it a little difficult for us is that we've just read 15 verses. And that probably captures, in essence, the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus, which probably was longer than what, I took, what it took to read this to you. So there's a lot compacted in here, so we have to think about this a little bit. But you want to notice how important the dialogue was. And I, I think for some reason, we as believers have been intimidated by the world around us. 
we have been told for quite a few years that spiritual ideas and spiritual truth, that is in the realm of personal preference. And that you can't really know anything for sure in the spiritual realm. And therefore, nobody really wants to talk to you about it because nobody can really know anything. Well, I'm here to say that that's bogus. That's ridiculous. We do believe that there are truths to be had and communications from God and demonstrations from God through Jesus, by what Jesus did, and ultimately vindicated by his resurrection. And therefore, there is a stake in the ground. There is a definition for truth. And it's not just my truth and my personal truth and your personal truth and however you want to do it. It is the truth. And what we learn first here is that Jesus sees how important this conversation is. And that we as believers in this world, even though we're being pressurized not to talk about it, not to push our religion on anybody, we can talk about it. But I would advise that given our circumstances and our culture around us, that we don't come telling people what to believe. I would advise that we take this model of asking, learning, dialoguing with people, understanding where they come from completely. See if they have an explanation for life. See if there are purposes that they're living for that are broader and bigger and can carry the water for a lifetime rather than just the 10 years or, you know, three-year purpose and objective that they have for their daily living, but that they have a broad view of what life means and where it's going. And does God factor into that? Those are all things that we can do as we engage with people. We don't have to be telling people what to believe right away. We, we don't have to be telling them for quite a while. One of the things that's characteristic about our age is that they already think that they know what we believe. They already think that we, they know that, that they know what we would say and what they should believe. Well, so they're not asking and they're not looking. So let's ask them to tell us what they believe and what they think. And I think Jesus does that. But we don't have the full dialogue here. So one of the things we do learn from Jesus is that it's essential that we engage people in conversation. Now, Jesus has one leg up on us because Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, uh, you're doing outstanding stuff. I mean, people are being healed, you're casting out demons, and no one can really deny that you're sent from God. And I don't know if you've had anybody come up to you and say, you know, you're doing outstanding stuff. And I just want to know what you, what you got going on. So probably that doesn't happen for us as much. But we still are responsible to be followers of Jesus, to be people of character and love and grace. And I believe that those characteristics will stand out in our world. 
if we're filled with mercy and grace and truth and character and love and we don't look out for ourselves first, we look out for the intentions of others, that will take, take notice. And one of the bigger things that's important is that we should be in dialogue with people because we have something to share. We have the message of Jesus, the person of Jesus who has demonstrated that he is from God, who has in the most definitive way conquered death and said that if you believe in him, you will receive life. And so we have something to share and our lives should back that up. And if we live that way, we will have a voice. But what we have to do is enter into the conversation. I'm afraid we're just sitting on the sidelines. We're not looking for the Alexes, and we're not looking for the Nicodemus, and we're not willing to get into the conversation. And that conversation doesn't have to be telling them. It can be all about listening and asking probing questions. So Jesus enters into this conversation. Nicodemus comes to him and listen to what he says. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Isn't it interesting that Jesus replies right away, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now there, this I think is contracted. It's quick. He's telling us the, the account. But Jesus wants to shock Nicodemus. And, and I think that's a good thing for us in our conversation. What I hope is, is we'll get in dialogue with people who aren't believers. And in some ways, we'll be able to say things that doesn't really ring true with them. That will kind of stir them to want to investigate or understand better. And Jesus certainly does this with Nicodemus. Now, I think why Jesus says... Truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again, is that Nicodemus is claiming to already see the kingdom of God. He says, we know that you are performing the signs of God. We are seeing God in your midst. But Jesus says, no, you're not. I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So Jesus denying that he's even seeing the king of kingdom of God right off the bat. And there's some kind of challenge that should be a part of the investigation and also a teasing out, a wanting uh, the person you're dialoguing with to want to know more. Now this word born again is fascinating because it can be born again as it's translated or just as legitimately the same. It's 50-50. It can mean born from above. The original Greek word, born again or born from above. Now, Nicodemus takes it as born again because he says, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So he takes the interpretation as born again. And he's saying, I'm, I'm an older man. I've been uh, a leader in Israel. I've already invested so much in, in following God and doing what is right. And Jesus says, at the heart of it, what's most important is that you're born from above. Born again. And Jesus goes on and tries to tease this out a little bit more because he says, Jesus 
answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. And so what Jesus is doing is he's taking pictures, various pictures, to try to help explain this transformation, this new life. And I think that we need to enter into conversations with people around us, and then we need to work towards trying to explain something about this spiritual transformation that happens in our hearts and lives as believers. And Jesus is talking about the same thing, because notice in verse 3, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And then he's saying the same question again in verse 5. Truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. And here's why this is so important. I don't particularly like the NIV translation here. It's not born uh, unless they are born of the water and the Spirit. There's no article there, so it's not the Spirit, and it's not capitalized either. So it's water and Spirit. I think Jesus, and and there's a lot of debates about what is water and spirit? What does this mean? And there's a sense in which this kind of flows into what Jesus goes on to say in verse 7. You should not be surprised by my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus is talking about something that's born from above, this born again, and it's born of water and spirit. And then he describes, he uses a picture of the wind. The wind blows and it goes and goes in one direction and another, but you never really see the wind. You just see the effects of the wind. You can't see the wind uh, unless you're in L.A. or something and there's lots of smog and you can see the wind. It's really the effects of the wind there too. So you can't really see. So Jesus is talking about this thing that we can't really grab a hold of. And so born of the water and the spirit, what does that mean? And so there have been many that said, well, you know, if there's water mentioned, it's probably speaking about baptism. So you're born of the water and the spirit. Therefore, you got to be baptized and you got to get the spirit. Um, That's probably not the case. Uh, uh, When we look for the word water equaling baptism, it's much later in church history that water is always connected with baptism. And so it probably wasn't that Nicodemus knew that he's talking about baptism at that time. Sometimes people think, well, it's like the amniotic fluid. It's when the woman's uh, bag breaks, is that what you call it? I've never experienced that, so, but I, I, I remember it happening. Uh, and so, but, but there's, there's no indication in any uh, first century writings, even second, third, fourth century writings, that they equated bat, uh, birth with, you know, physical birth. So water and the spirit, it means that you're born physically because you came out of the water. Uh, that's probably not it. And one of the other things that's difficult about this is, is that Jesus chides the teacher, Nicodemus, for not understanding this. Look at verse 10. 
You are Israel's teacher, Jesus says, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, uh, uh, he says and goes on to... Uh, so he, uh, well, he chides him twice, and I don't see the other one, but it's in there. Uh, and so Jesus, when we look about must be born of water and spirit, we must be thinking of something that Nicodemus should have known, something that would have been common knowledge to him. And I think some of the most profound, important passages in the Old Testament bring water and spirit together. And it's the most important passage is those that speak of the new covenant. As we observe the Lord's Supper, you remember Jesus said, this is the blood of the covenant given for you. It's the initiation, the, the inauguration of the new covenant. And it was prophesied in the Old Testament in Jeremiah 31. is a favorite passage of mine. But also Ezekiel chapter 36 Listen to the words in verses 25 through 27. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all of your idols, and I will put a new heart and put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from your heart uh, 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 remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. So Jesus is chiding Nicodemus for not knowing the prophecy in Ezekiel. And the prophecy in Ezekiel is that this born from above will bring the water of cleansing of your sin and your impurities and the spirit of newness of life. A new heart will be put into you. And that is the birth from above. And that is at the heart of the gospel. And it is spirit born. It comes to us and you can't control it. And you can't see it, but it comes and it changes a life. Nicodemus is trying to figure out how does life work and how do I know that I'm in the kingdom of God? And Jesus is trying to point him to the truth that there is a salvation that is wrought by God in the heart of man where there is forgiveness of sin, sins, a cleansing and a spiritual life, a rejuvenation, a, a new creation that takes place in the heart of man and that sets you on a plane with, with God in a relationship with God and knowing new life and knowing him and living in his grace. So these are all pictures that Jesus is using to try to describe this powerful life to Nicodemus. There's one more in this passage, and we should just take a quick glance at it. In verse 13, uh, no, uh, verse 13. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness... So the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. 
Now this seems a little obscure for us, but Nicodemus is the religious leader. And, and what do we learn? That we should be in dialogue and talking with people. And, and whether they're religious or whether they're like Alex, they, there is a need, a desire to hear the gospel. And as Jesus talks to Nicodemus, he's talking with somebody who knows the scriptures. He pulls out another little picture from Numbers chapter 21. That familiar passage probably for him, maybe not so much for us, but it's when they were traveling through the wilderness and they were grumbling and complaining about God, giving them that manna every day that they were tired of, they want something different. Uh, God sent serpents into the camp and venomous serpents that were killing people. And they cried out to Moses and Moses went to God and God said, put a bronze serpent on a stake and put it in the center of the camp. And whenever anybody is bitten by one of these venomous snakes, they can look up to that snake and they will be healed. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, just as you know that story, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And when you look unto him, you will receive life. You will receive eternal life if you believe in him. The heart of the gospel is the message of Christ. And Jesus tries to communicate it with many pictures. But it certainly points to us the importance and the profound nature of sharing that good news. And Jesus also talks about living in the kingdom and receiving eternal life. And I just want to close with this. John 3.16, a verse you probably know well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not, uh, should not perish but have eternal life. In this section, John is going on to explain the power and wonder of this good news. And it is eternal life. It is living in the kingdom of Christ. And it is being born from above, being made new and transformed and forgiven and brought into a relationship with God. And if we have received that good news, it must be near and dear to our hearts to talk about it, to live it, and to share it with those we know. Our family members, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. We should be engaged in looking for people that we can dialogue with because this transformation is so important and so life-changing that it is necessary for us to be about the business. I challenge us to realize the magnitude of the grace of God, the glory of the images of salvation that are found in the scriptures, to know those as real for you and for me, to know those personally as real, and then to share those, to share those with people. We can ask, we can dialogue. We don't have to jam it down people's throats. We can hear what they believe and what they think. And that will give us the clout to tell what we hear, what we believe, and what we think. 
in a way of inviting them to experience this new birth. And the Spirit of God blows and works in the hearts of people. We can't control it. God may use us as a conduit of new life. May that be our desire. May that be our wish. God uses us in this spread of the kingdom of life. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of grace that you have built a kingdom of light and righteousness and peace on the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And because of what he has done for us, because of his sacrifice on Calvary, because of his resurrection, because of the word of truth that he has brought, we know that we can have life. And our prayer, my prayer, that we would be ambassadors. We would be those who engage the world, that we would enter into other people's worlds and share this good news because it is life. In Jesus' name, amen.